I get really excited around Christmas time, uh, and it's because of the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And our theme this year is that Jesus will reign forever. He shall reign forever. So we've been having a lot of fun with this idea of Christ being a king and having a kingdom. And we're going to talk today about the greatest kingdom that has ever been and that will ever be. There are a lot of kingdoms out there, am I right? There are a lot of kingdoms out there in fantasy world. Uh, I'm sure you know some of these kingdoms, uh, but there's Narnia, right? There's Gondor and Rohan. There's Wakanda. There's Wonderland. There's Oz. There's, uh, for those of you from my generation, Eternia. Huh? There's Fantasia. So many kingdoms out there. But listen, they're not real. They're just make-believe. But there is a kingdom that has been inaugurated, that is being established, and that will be upheld forever and ever. And that's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. That's the only kingdom that will last forever. He will reign forever. Christmas is about a king, your king, the only one who deserves the throne of your heart. Have you given him the throne of your life? In your past, have you turned over all governing and ruling authority of your entire life to the King, Jesus Christ? Today, the passage we will look at <clears throat> records a conversation between the most famous angel in the Bible, Gabriel, and the most famous woman in the Bible, Mary, mother of Christ. Gabriel tells Mary about her child before she's married, before she's pregnant. Quite a conversation. So we're going to open up right now to Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Luke chapter 1, verse 30. And as you're going there, the entire point of this message is, is very simple. Um, give him the throne. Give him the throne of your life, of your heart. The one who was born king deserves to be king of your life now and forever. Let's pray, and then we'll get into the word together. <clears throat> Lord Jesus, thank you that you came down, born of a virgin, born in Bethlehem. But you were born king. Show us what that means today. Father, open our eyes to see what it means to be a part of the kingdom that will last forever. Fill us with the joy that only Christmas can bring. And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, so we are in Luke chapter 1, verse 30. I don't know how you would do if an angel appeared to you, but I think you, if you've been in church a while, you know, and you know your Bible, you'd kind of gain your composure after the initial shock. Okay, so put yourself in Mary's shoes. She's got the Old Testament. Uh, she's probably a teenage girl. Uh, how many teenage girls do you know that if an angel appeared would actually re react rather well? <laughs> Mary did. She actually did a wonderful job. And so in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was, get this, greatly troubled. Teenage girl, greatly troubled. You probably know what that looked and sounded like at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. 
you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. We're going to zero in on a few verses in this passage, looking back at verse 30. And the angel said to her, don't be afraid. You will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. And then there's this list of descriptions that we are going to dig into. Um, If I'm telling you this morning, if I'm inviting you this morning to give him the throne, one question you might have is why? You know, why? If you haven't given Jesus the throne, you're asking that question. And if you have given Jesus the throne, and maybe your life isn't turning out the way you would hope, maybe you're wondering why you did give him the throne. I don't know, but why is a very important question. So number one, you can write this down. I'd love for everyone to be taking notes in some form, to be an engaged listener, even if it's on your phone, but why? Number one, because he's the greatest person ever to live. He's the greatest person ever to live. It says in verse 32, he will be great. And there are several things that make him great and describe just how great he is. But because Jesus is the greatest person ever to live, he alone is worthy to be the sole spiritual authority in your life, in your death, and in your eternity. Jesus alone qualifies. Now, if he's the greatest person ever, it made me wonder, well, who are the great people in this world today? And how many of them have I even met? I've met a handful of great people. I don't mean to brag, but I've met a a few great people in my life. Uh, For example, I met Theo Epstein, president of the Cubs, while I was hiking in uh, Arizona, and I refused to shake his hand because I'm a Southsider. Other people were taking pictures of him, and I was just like, no thanks. How about that? That's a true story. I met Chris Columbus, not the explorer, the director. And Chris Columbus, maybe you didn't know, he was an understudy of Spielberg, but he directed Home Alone movies, he directed some Harry Potter movies, Percy Jackson, Mrs. Doubtfire. And I was a DJ in college, and I I DJed his daughter's birthday parties several years in a row. So I got to go to Chris Columbus's house and meet him and and chill out with him, and and it was pretty awesome. It was pretty cool. He's kind of a well-known guy. Uh, When I was a DJ also, for some of you folks who go a little farther back than I do, I was able to introduce at a local festival the Buckinghams. How many of you remember the Buckinghams? I got to meet uh, Carl Giamarisi, the lead singer of the Buckinghams. He came out and and he kind of fixed my coat a little bit and told me how the show was going to go. And I was like, I don't know who you are, but this is pretty cool. A lot of people out there cheered for him. Very well-known. I've met a lot of Christian uh, well-known pastors and speakers like Joe Stoll, Crawford Loritz, Al Mohler. And, and you know what? Whatever. Compared to Christmas, I don't know who you've met, 
I don't know who you know. I don't know who the greatest person you've ever met is, but big deal compared to Jesus Christ. Big deal compared to Christ. He is the greatest person ever to live. Do you know him? Do you know him? Well, what makes him so spectacular? Write this down. He's the son of the most high God. He's the son of the most high God. Understanding this, which is spoken by an angel, he will be called the son of the most high. Understanding this requires a little theology here because God is our father, our father who art in heaven, right? But he's not our father the same way he's Jesus' father because only Jesus shares the essence of God and only Jesus shares the authority of God. Jesus is the eternal son of the father. Nothing has ever separated them. Nothing has ever separated them. It's not like Jesus has a few things in common with God the father. Nothing has ever separated them. They're one. So you and I, we're not members of the Trinity, okay? But Jesus is. So he is the son, the only son of God in this sense. That gives him a unique relationship to the father. He was therefore both human and divine, and Jesus is the only person to ever bear this dual nature. One of a kind. Time Magazine every year uh, puts out an issue that is called the Top 100, the 100 most influential people in our world. I get Time Magazine, and so I, I thumb through it, and I want to know some of the who's who's in our world. Of course, Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, is the cover person. You know, she's on the cover this year. So Time Magazine, as they list throughout this issue the top 100 most influential people in our world, uh, break it down into five different categories. Pioneers, artists, leaders, titans, and icons. Some of the people who make this list would include, uh, under pioneers, there's um, Zhang Yongzan, who mapped COVID's genetic structure, thereby helping us to figure out how to come up with a vaccine. Under artists, Jennifer Hudson, Yo-Yo Ma, Michael B. Jordan. Under leaders, Dr. Anthony Fauci, John Roberts, Angela Merkel. Under titans, Eric Yuan, who founded Zoom, Zoom founder, big person this year, right? Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl MVP, Jerome Powell, head of the Federal Reserve. These are really important, powerful, influential people. Under icons, Amy O'Sullivan, who is the ER nurse who treated the first COVID patient in New York. These people are somebodies, right? But I checked a few times, and I don't see a single savior on this list. Not one. I don't know if they're still looking. All of these people uh, are only human, 100%, 0% divine. And it made me wonder why Jesus isn't on the list, why Jesus isn't on the cover year after year after year. He's the son of God. Meh, didn't make the list. How sad. What an oversight. He is the son of the most high God. He shares God's very essence and nature. And if that's not enough, write this down. He was born of a virgin. He was born of a virgin. 
We get from this passage that Mary said, how will this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel explained it. It would be a miracle baby. It was a miracle baby. That means that Jesus was not a created being like you and me. He was not a conceived being like you and me. He lived before he lived. A being who was already in existence would miraculously take on flesh, would step down light into darkness. And therefore, it would be a birth like none other. Now, he was just as human as you and me. Don't get me wrong. His humanity was 100% human. But he was virgin-born, which means there was a supernatural conception. The virgin birth showed the world Mary was holding a heavenly miracle. Emmanuel, God with us. Only Jesus was virgin-born. He was born of a virgin. God with us. This prevented him from taking on the sin nature of Adam. And therefore, write this down, he is holy. He is the son of the Most High. He's born of a virgin, and therefore he is holy. He is holy. It says in verse 35, the child to be born will be called holy, the son of God. Now, we could be called holy. The Bible says, be holy. Your father is holy. So we can be holy, but here's the thing. We have to become holy through a process of purification, through a salvation. We are not holy, but we can be cleansed of all of our sin, and therefore we can become holy in God's sight. But Jesus was holy from birth. He never sinned. He lived this whole life without sinning once. That made him one of a kind. He is our sinless Savior. That makes him different from everyone else who's ever lived and from every other religious leader. Jesus is morally perfect. Even Mother Teresa sinned a bunch, but not Jesus. Sometimes people ask, well, what makes Christians so special? Why do you guys think that you're the only ones? Uh, It's not us. It's not us. Our founder is one of a kind. Our founder is holy, and therefore he can transform us. So, Give him the throne. Why? Well, because he's the greatest person ever to live. Greater than Gandhi. He's the son of the Most High. He was born of a virgin. He's holy. That means that Jesus should become the most important person in your life. Is he? Has he become the most important person in your life? Does everyone around know it? The family, we've been watching all the Christmas movies. How many of you have been watching the Christmas movies this year? Do you notice that there's no social distancing in the Christmas movies? We, we watch, and we're watching, and we're like, oh dear, they didn't even sanitize. Where's their masks? And we're realizing the world has changed. Elf in particular, right? Elf is one of our famous, our favorite Christmas movies. Elf doesn't have any social boundaries, right? Here's a picture of Elf, a buddy the elf, right? And he's just so happy about Christmas. Uh, and so uh, one of the best parts in Elf is when he goes to his job, and, and his boss is like, why are you smiling? He's like, I don't know, smiling's my favorite. I just love smiling. And the boss says, make work your favorite. Uh, Work is not your favorite. He's just like, okay. What I would say is this. uh, Is Jesus your favorite? Make Jesus your favorite. Okay, make Jesus your favorite. So much so that everyone you know knows that Jesus is your favorite. Because he's the greatest person ever to live. Number two, write this down. Give him the throne because he's the only king who will reign forever. 
He will reign forever. Now, we're not usually interested in kings in this country, am I right? We had a bad start with monarchy. And so we're not really interested in one person having a throne, right, over us. But the idea of a king is kind of repulsive in our country. But heaven is going to be ruled by a king. Therefore, you have to know who the king is. A couple weeks ago, I told you, Lauren and I finally watched Hamilton, right? And one of our favorite parts is the king. He's just such a buffoon. He comes out and he's singing these, you know, creepy love songs about America because he can't let us go. Here's a picture of the king from, from Hamilton. And I use that to ask a question, what's ruling your heart, right? What, what's ruling your heart? And if Jesus isn't ruling your heart, someone is. Someone is. And whoever, whatever's on the throne of your heart is a tyrant, an uncontrollable tyrant, a child, a loose cannon. Maybe you're on the throne. Maybe money's on the throne. You don't know. But Jesus belongs on the throne because he's the only king who's going to rule forever. Hey, listen, forever's a really long time. Forever's a really long time. When you get to heaven, they're not going to hand you a calendar that you kind of rip off every year. That's all done. Forever. Where will you be forever? Jesus is the king who will rule forever. You were designed to live forever. And therefore, what you do with Jesus in, the, in this life determines your eternity. Have you given him the throne? Write this down. Jesus alone can secure your destiny. Jesus alone can secure your destiny. If you look at verse 32, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And then it says, And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Verse 33, And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. You might be wondering who these people are. The throne of his father David, you can probably guess who that is, right? David killed Goliath, became Israel's second king, and God made a promise to David that one of your descendants will sit on the throne forever. It wasn't Solomon, right? Uh, so what did he mean? Well, it's called a covenant. God made a covenant and entrusted one of David's descendants to become the king of heaven and earth forever. We now know that Jesus would be born of the line of David, so when God made that promise to David, he was actually talking about Jesus. Now, what's this idea with uh, Jacob, over the house of Jacob forever? Well, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right, went on to lead to the 12 patriarchs, the founding fathers of Israel. So it's a catch-all. Jacob is kind of a catch-all of God's people. And the promises to God's people were that a Messiah would come, right? A Messiah would come. Uh, one of Abraham's offspring would bring a blessing to the world. So when it says to Jacob, uh, it means that this promised ruler who would come out of Israel would be given the throne to rule forever. It all points to the Messiah, is the bottom line. And so when it says here that he will be given the throne of his father David, he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end, it means this is the promised Messiah who would rule the world. That's Jesus. Because of this... Only Jesus can secure your destiny. You're going to be somewhere in a thousand years. The question is where and who's in charge. Jesus will be on the throne. Jesus has been on the throne every moment of your life. Every breath you have taken, you have taken under his jurisdiction. 
That will be true in the next life as well. But in this life, you have a chance to determine where you stand with him. In the next life, you don't. It will be permanent. And it will either be permanent rebellion against the rightful king of eternity, or it will be you, a citizen of his kingdom. Jesus alone can secure your destiny because he will live forever. He will rule forever. Here's a picture of a famous throne, right? This is the throne of Asgard. Uh, There's Thor and uh, Odin, right? And wow, look at that. That is quite a throne. Jesus is going to be better. All right. His throne room is going to be like nothing you've ever seen. The entire city of heaven is going to be awesome. Jesus belongs on a throne. Only Jesus can secure your destiny. So have you walked up to the manger? Have you found your king? Have you bowed low and given him all your worship? In John 18, 37, when Jesus was on trial, Pilate said to him, to Jesus, So you are a king! Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate just heard that Jesus is the king. He was born king. Pilate's response, What is truth? I can't figure it out. It was right in front of him. It was right in front of him. And he turned away from it. What will your future be like? Will you have a happily ever after? If Jesus is your king, you will. If Jesus is not your king, you won't. Because he's the only king who will reign forever. And he's the only one who can secure your destiny. Write this down. Also, because heaven is his kingdom, not yours. Give him the throne because heaven is his kingdom, not yours. It says that he will be given the throne and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, forever. Now, when it comes to this idea of heaven being a kingdom, everyone always imagines heaven being their kingdom, their house, their decorations, their way, right? Their preferences, their whatever it is. It's all imagined as being your own personal fairy tale paradise that's not the way it is. You're walking into someone else's land, right? That's what heaven is. Uh, it wouldn't go so well if you entered your neighbor's house today and just decided to redecorate, would it? You know, it, it wouldn't go so well if you went into someone else's place and moved things around because it's not yours, it's theirs. Heaven is not yours, it's his. It's his. And so you have to know that heaven is his kingdom, not yours. Everyone likes the thought of being the king or the queen of their own kingdom. Very few people actually have the courage or the creativity to develop their own kingdom. But there's one man who is living in the Nevada desert. His name is Kevin Bow, And he actually established and inaugurated his own kingdom. It's called Malasia. Here's some pictures of Malasia. In 1999, he declared independence from the United States and started his own kingdom. And uh, here's some pictures. They've got their own post office and trading company. Uh, the population as of 2012 is 27 people. Population 27. <laughs> They've got their own currency. You can keep going through those pictures. Uh, and they, uh, they, they are an aspiring upstart nation. The United States government has just ignored uh, what they're doing down there. But uh, Kevin, the president, said that they're not recognized by the United States, but they have a lot of ambitions. Uh, they do have a space program in development. 
And they also have a five-raft navy standing ready in the Nevada desert, should the uh, situation call for it. They have scrapped their plans for a full-on army and air force. But this is a guy who actually started his own nation. He is the king of his own kingdom. And there's something appealing about that. There's also something pretty hilarious about that and kind of sad. <laughs> but listen, that's not the way heaven's going to work. All right, that's not the way heaven's going to work. In fact, the Bible says that there's only two possible kingdoms for you to be a part of. In Colossians 1, 13 to 14, it says this, He, Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Here's the point. You're born into the kingdom of darkness, every one of us. Jesus alone can transfer us into the kingdom of light. Those are your only two options. Have you given Jesus the throne yet? Why? Well, because he's the greatest person ever to live and because he's the only king who will reign forever. Okay, well then how do I do it? You might be wondering how. How do I give Jesus this throne? We'll write this down, number three. By entering his kingdom through faith. By entering his kingdom through faith. Mary said in verse 38 as an example of the first one who literally welcomed Jesus into her life. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Mary's an example of someone who believed what she heard. She received Jesus Christ into her life. The idea of Jesus coming down into her life and from her faith spreading salvation to the ends of the earth is a portrait of salvation. It's a portrait of you welcoming Jesus Christ into your life. And as he comes down, he fills you with heaven's light. You have to enter his kingdom through faith at some point in your life. A lot of people think they were born into the kingdom of light. And listen, that's just impossible biblically. You were not born into the kingdom of light. Doesn't matter how nice your grandma was. Doesn't matter how many times your parents brought you to church. Hey, this might be a big wake-up call for some people in this room right now. You were born into the kingdom of darkness. Only Jesus can change that. So many people who are on their way to hell assume they are on their way to heaven. Oh yeah, I'm good. Me and the big guy up there, no problem. We've got an understanding. Uh, no, you don't. No, you don't. Not unless Jesus transferred you into the kingdom of light at some point in your life through faith. That's called salvation. That's called being born again. That's called being saved. You must believe and bend the knee. You must enter the kingdom of Christ. Sometimes people get all clogged up with religion and confused with tradition and ritual, and they've got a big problem with the church, right? It's understandable. But I would just suggest to you that it's really not about liturgy. It's not about routines. It's not about people dressing up. It's, it's not about any of that. David Brusque has said it right. The Bible isn't a book about principles to live by. It's a book about a person to live for. Hey, are you living for the one who was born king? Write this down. Is Jesus your savior? Is Jesus your savior? That's who was coming down into the world. He would be called holy, the son of God. Great. The one who would be given a throne. Is Jesus your savior? Are you a rescued person? 
Christianity isn't a religion, really. It's a relationship with you and God through Jesus Christ. What's the difference between Christianity and all other religions? Listen, all other religions make you the plan. How are you going to get to heaven? Watch. I'm going to do all of these 15 things really well. Look at me go. Look at me go. That's not Christianity. Christianity is you simply look to the cross and you're saved. That's it. It's a relationship. It's a relationship. You do nothing. He does everything. It strips you of your pride because you can't earn it. Is Jesus your Savior? Are you a saved person? And do you understand that salvation is only given as a gift? It's a gift. Have you opened that present yet? So Lauren and I drove down to see our daughter at college about a month ago, and on the way down there, we got a little pebble flew up and cracked our windshield just a little bit. It was like this little crack, and we're like, oh boy. And so we just ignored it for a while, and then the crack became this big. And then after a week, the crack became this big. And then after another week, the crack became this big. And then every time we go out now, it gets bigger so that it's almost spanning the entire windshield. I'm kind of afraid the windshield's just going to crash in on us. <laughs> so I called, and uh, I called the insurance company. I'm like, we got to get this windshield repaired. And they're like, oh, have you heard of Safe Light? And I was like, I know the jingle. Safe Light Repair, Safe Light Replace. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, that's what you've got to do. Our, the insurance will let, will let that company handle it. I'm like, okay, let's make the appointment because we're about to die, you know? So we made the appointment. I'm like, how much is this going to cost me around Christmas? Thinking maybe she'd give me a coupon or something, you know? And she's like, oh, this repair has a $0 deductible. And I'm like, $0? Merry Christmas! We pay nothing! I was so happy. I was so happy. Hey, listen, this is a windshield. All right, I'm not waiting another second to get the free repair. Let's talk about you. Your soul is cracked. You can't fix it. The cracks are spreading every day. You can't fix it. The repair is free to you. Why are you still driving around in your sin? Wait, wait, I can get this fixed for free forever. I'm happy about glass. Why would you keep driving and doing more damage to your soul when Jesus offers to fix it free forever? Wow. Is Jesus your savior? Have you asked him to fix it? Jot this down. Is Jesus your Lord? Have you invited him to be your ruler? This is a clear gospel presentation. You have to invite Jesus to be your Savior, to take away your sins forever, to be your Lord who's in command for eternity. That's the only way you're getting to heaven. And are you humble enough to admit you need a Savior? Or are you just going it alone? Going it alone. Have you received him as your heavenly king? Hey, if you aren't living for the glory of Christ, you're missing out on everything heavenly. Is he your Lord? In John 18, 36, Jesus answered and said this, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Jesus is king. 
over everything. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. That's the invitation. Jesus shared in our humanity to restore and rule humanity as Savior and Lord forever. Is he your king? Here's a picture of a crown. And at some point in your life, you need to take this off your head and hand it over to the one to whom it belongs. Have you given him the crown? Number four, jot this down. How do I do this? Well, by leaving your own kingdom behind. You have to enter his kingdom through faith, and then you have to leave your own kingdom behind. If he's going to be given the throne, if the kingdom is going to be his forever, you have to leave your own kingdom behind. This means that you have to admit the reality that you are sitting in the center of a very sinful kingdom you have constructed. You had no business living that way or ruling your own life. You turn around, you repent, you come to the one who can save you, you hand over the crown. You leave your kingdom of sin behind. This means that you have to turn from darkness to light. You can't just add Jesus into your life like some patch on your jacket. Well, now I've got Jesus too and all my sin. That's not the way it works. You have to forsake your love for sin. You have to leave your own kingdom behind. Charles Spurgeon said, you and your sins must separate or you and your God will never come together. And it's important to realize this because a lot of people get really defensive when you start talking about the sins in their life that they need to leave behind in order to be a follower of Christ. They go, oh, and you start touching their sin and their idols. They get, who are you to judge me? You get out of my life. That's my private business. Well, do you want to follow Christ or not? What does that have to do with anything? They get really defensive, right? Why? We all do. It's because we think God's taking something away from us that's actually ours. If you live your whole life in a tug of war with God, I get to make this decision. You got the last one. I'm in charge here. You don't understand what's really happening. He's not taking something away from you as if it was ever rightfully yours. He's taking something back that was always rightfully his. Stop fighting him for his throne. Such a funny, pathetic thought that you're like, okay, Jesus, here's the throne. And then as he comes up there, you go like this. And you just kind of keep your arm on it. Well, you can't have all of it. <laughs> Give it to him. Don't you think it's time to let Jesus be the perfect ruler of your life? Haven't you caused enough mayhem when you're holding this scepter? You have to leave your own kingdom behind. C.S. Lewis puts it clearly. He says this, The universe is at war, and it is a civil war, a rebellion, and we are living in enemy-occupied territory. That is what this world is. Christianity is the story of how the rightful king has landed, you might say, landed in disguise, and is calling us to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. Awesome. The author of the Narnia series got it right. You have to leave your kingdom behind. You have to leave the kingdom of this world behind and become a card-carrying member, a citizen of the kingdom of Christ. He is your king. Hey, you can't go on in this life completely underestimating the power of sin to ruin you forever. F.W. Borum said, Sin is a revolt from the divine authority. It is the anarchy of the soul. And the truth is, we would prefer to have Jesus as a king, a neighboring king of a different kingdom, a different realm, like our great ally. 
We share a border who comes through our defense and attends all of our festivals, but has no real authority over our decisions. That's what we would prefer. And I would just close by asking you this. Where are you at with Jesus? Is Jesus just a pesky peasant in your kingdom who you ignore? Someone who you keep out of your throne room at all costs? Someone who you mock or marginalize or even banish when he makes a demand of you? Why would you do that to heaven's king? Why would you do that to the one who will rule forever? Here's another picture of the crown. And I just want to close by asking you this. Have you given that to Jesus yet? Have you given it to him yet? If not, I want to invite you to give him the throne right now. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what great things have been said of you in this text today. He will be called great, the Son of the Most High. You will be given the throne forever. Of your kingdom, there will be no end. Jesus, I pray this morning and ask anyone here who has not yet given you the throne, right now, right here, to surrender their entire life to you. Whether they're watching online, whether they're here in person, I pray that they would finally, completely, entirely give up on being their own king or queen and give the throne to you. They can pray right now out louder in their own heart saying this, Jesus, I give you the throne. Say that in your own heart. Jesus, I give you the throne. Say, Jesus, forgive me for all of my sins. Fix all the cracks in my soul for free. Come into my life. Save me and rule me forever. Tell him the war is over. Tell him the power struggle is done. Finally, surrender all to him. He's not taking anything from you that's yours. He's taking back what is rightfully his. Stop fighting him now. He's the best person who can take perfect care of you forever. Now's the time. Give him the throne. Thank you, Jesus, for coming down to be our king, for dying on the cross to save us forever, for rising again on the third day and ascending to heaven's highest throne. Anybody who is anybody in this life will be a nobody forever soon. Get our eyes off of people down here. Lift our eyes up to you, Jesus. You alone are the King of kings and Lord of lords. We give you all the worship this morning. Amen.